Today on Sagittarian Matters, mindful masculinity, advice about bodies, quarantine as an unexpected healing space, and more. With friend to the show and very special guest, Rocco Kayatis. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Portland, Oregon. It is the week of a holiday that shall not be named, and I was over the moon to welcome friend to the show Rocco Cayatis back for a chat. A couple weeks ago on the show, I made Morgan gag by mentioning that Rocco has a very special savory style of oatmeal he enjoys. A listener wrote in today saying, I am desperate for the Rocco Sriracha porridge situation in detail. So, your wish is my command. I wrote to Rocco. Unfortunately, I got this after we hung up the phone, and so he texted it to me. Rocco's classic style of savory oatmeal is oats, nutritional yeast, shriracha, flax oil or seeds, and apple cider vinegar. The vinegar part makes me want to barf, but I trust him. Okay, Rocco also told me his new additions to savory oatmeal. Sautéed kale, mushrooms, and beyond breakfast sausage, and liquid aminos. That is essentially like Bragg's or like soy sauce. So there you have it, savory oatmeal. I want to bring it back to Rocco's favorite classic sweet oatmeal, which I also gave a shout out to with Morgan, which is caramelized bananas. You basically put bananas in a pan with some kind of butter, like Miyoko's vegan butter, until they're brown and caramelized. And then you put that on your oatmeal with some maple syrup, and if you're me, tahini and some Miyoko's butter. What a delight. What a treat. It makes you get even more excited when you go to bed the night before because you know you get to eat that sweet caramelized banana oatmeal and have coffee in the morning. Or if you're Beth Pickens, a matcha latte. Okay, before we get to the show, I want to offer a content warning. We're going to be talking about quarantine as a space for unexpected healing this year, but also Within this healing, we're going to mention eating disorders and ED recovery. So if take that as you will, do what you wish. The other thing I want to say, this is not a content warning, this is more of a recommendation, is that if you have not yet watched Rachel Maddow's tender plea from this week to recalculate and calibrate your level of acceptable risk as we approach the cold, this cold winter season amidst the pandemic, please do. The message of her video, which she posted after revealing that her spouse got coronavirus was, you do not want to get this virus. And if you're a young person, you don't want to pass this on to older or vulnerable individuals. Um, So her plea in this video was to please recalculate your level of risk, even though we've all gotten comfortable with a certain level of risk amidst quarantine. With all that, I hope you have a very happy holiday week at home, eating an entire apple crisp. If you need a recipe for a good one, it's on our webpage. Well, not really. It's on our Instagram page, Sagittarian Matters on Instagram. Guess what? It's Sagittarius season. Please enjoy my talk with Libra friend of the show, Rocco Cayatis. Rocco Cayatis is the co-founder of Original Plumbing Magazine and Camp Lost Boys, a summer camp created by and for men of trans experience. Rocco currently hosts a podcast and conducts workshops through the Intentional Man Project, a space dedicated to building healthier masculinity through intention, awareness, and integrity. You can get his Mindful Masculinity workbook and more at theintentionalmanproject.com. Now please enjoy my talk with friend to the show, Rocco Cayatis. Dear Sagittarian Matters, since March, I've only seen my partner and co-workers in person. Mostly it's fine because I prefer not to do too many social things. Now, I'd like to broaden my circle slightly and start seeing a few people for walks. One person I'm not ready to see is my best friend, Rory, who has been taking more corona risks since the beginning. She accepts that I'm being super cautious, but I'm worried her feelings will be hurt when she finds out I'm seeing other people, but not her. Any advice from Mixed Up in Massachusetts? Man, I would just, uh, like, I think it's important to, like, just be honest, 
right? Mm-hmm. There's no no reason not to be honest. Just tell her, explain, say how much you affirm her value and how much you love her. And also just that your health is your number one priority. I think like anyone who loves you and supports you is also going to uh, be able to hold space for the fact that you're you know needing to keep things safe in the way that you're keeping safe um and anyone who has an issue with that is like that's that's not a, a, like that's, that's not being supportive i think your friends have to support you and yeah. whatever that looks like what do you think i mean Nicole? i just think if, it, if it's going to be destroyed by the truth it deserves to be destroyed by the truth and i don't think that your friendship with rory is going to be destroyed by the fact that rory finds out you're taking walks with people that are less risky uh-huh Rory will understand. You just get to be a worrywart. This is yeah. this is the time. This is not the time for people pleasing. This is not the time for self abandonment. <laughs> this is time for you to just be like, I, I can only hang out, you know, in person with people who are like this. Otherwise, it gives me too much anxiety. It's too yeah. much. And I just, if a friend was like, I am being honest with you, this practice gives me anxiety. I mean, who am I to try and step on somebody else's? feelings like that yeah i would say maybe if the worry is that rory might judge you um i'd like do some some deep connecting with yourself about like what comes up if you're being judged by your friend and um and and try and just stay really tethered to i think as you said it of like this is not the time to self-abandon um if it feels too risky then don't engage because this is a uh, an illness that's really serious and scary and it warrants being um scared and cautious and prioritizing whatever risk medi- mitigation uh feels best for you yeah all right dear sagittarius matters I'm a 40-year-old cis woman who has had chronic health issues for the past two and a half years. These issues primarily affect my gut, thyroid, and reproductive system. I was a fairly active person for most of my life and now find myself far less capable of doing anything that gets my heart rate up. I'm starting to find myself avoiding engaging with friends who are still active and even feeling jealous or angry at my partner who's still an avid runner and swimmer. I know this is some ableist shit on one level and that self-acceptance and kindness would help. But on the other hand, I just feel so overwhelmed with the unfairness of it since movement was such a big part of my coping and mental health. What should I do to develop a healthier relationship with my body as it is now? Sincerely, tired and pissed. Oof, man. That's intense. I mean, some of what I what I talked about relates, right? Mm-hmm. So I won't circle back with that. But I know that you know, I've been with my wife for almost a decade now and, and her autoimmune stuff sprang up while we were together. And, um, she's also tired and pissed as a result. And she can't really do, um, activities that, uh, raise her heart rate, uh, in a tremendous way. Otherwise it, um, you know, is, it, it, uh, causes a flare and then she's down for a week. So something that gives me energy actually, um, ruins her week. Uh, but she has, just experimented in a way that she's figured out what what kind of movement works for her she's doing something called um oh it's pilates that's run by it's like a queer non-binary person um it's called the become project and it's this gentle um pilates that is like three different levels um and i think it's usually a half hour and she's found that that movement works for her and um and it that exercise specifically it it's challenging it's as challenging as you make it but it doesn't increase your heart rate to a place where it is gonna take all of the spoons um from a person with an autoimmune uh illness but i don't know i would say like experiment with i understand how um exercises my mental health um cure also or like it's a primary piece of of my um, practice around having a healthy mentality. So it's way more than just physical for me. So I would say like, you know, take walks. If a walk feels good, take a really long walk every day, like figure out, you know, experiment to, uh, as much as you can with what 
exercise you can do or what kind of movement you can do that feels good and doesn't harm you and um, slow, like slow down and find a new way to relate and like just try to be present with your body as it is right now and as hard as it is like don't get stuck in the past of what your body used to do um because one because it's irrelevant but two because it could be a source of of constant pain and lamenting um whereas if you're able to just stay present with the present tense you can experiment and see what you can do now and just like learn your body now right i like that you know i also think don't if you can if however you can if you can take the part where you're judging yourself and pissed for having the feelings of being judgmental and pissed at other people if you can take some of the self-judgment away or like self-punishing when you're like ugh, i should you know i should be doing this i should be doing that i should be just so peaceful with the now like if you can just be gentle with yourself when you when hard feelings come up of feeling frustrated or feeling resentful and just give yourself a break and be as gentle as you can with yourself and know that like, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, it makes sense that you want to do certain things. But like Rocco said, just acceptance of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Trying to let go as much as you can. If you need a moment to grieve, take that moment and just mm-hmm. be gentle with yourself going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As much as you don't think about the um, past, also don't think about the future with it too. Because you don't know how, like a few years ago, I was I had different capacity and less injury. And um, I just think it's important to to just stay present with the present tense reality of your physical capacity and be grateful for what abilities you do have, which I know is also like, be grateful for your body right now. But it's, it's really fucking true. It's like, we have these one, uh, like each of us gets this one body, this this life, right? And it's like, how do you, stay in the moment of feeling grateful for that exact body, even if it's complicated and fraught, uh, the relationship that you have, like it's still, it's your body. And if we're all just like, uh, you know, a bunch of like cells put together with energy coursing through it, what would it feel like to say like, thank you for what I do every day? Does that feel better? Like energetically for you? Like, I don't know. I think that... Into a hippie realm, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I I heard somebody say, and I agree, you know, beating myself up never never got me anywhere. I actually have not... It's never helped me grow to beat myself up, but Mm -hmm. being gentle with myself is the thing that has helped me grow. Mm -hmm. In any way. And, like, you know, listeners to the podcast, I may, you know, just sound more and more like an old man, the more that time goes by and that's okay. I accept. I remember like being a teenager and having people's middle-aged parents be obsessed with inner peace or like talk about their inner child. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And now look at me now, look at me now. Just like a Muppet baby's version of myself rocking myself. I think it really is part of getting older is just like more and more acceptance. And I mean, I'm, I turned 41 this year and I feel like, what a fucking triumph. I have friends who are around my age who are just like, oh, I can't believe I'm getting older. And it's just like, you're a queer person that's survived past your teens. Congratulations. This is it. This is your life. What a fucking honor. What a special gift that you get more time. And if your body declines, that's natural. Like everyone's body is decomposing at this point, at this stage of life of being over the age of 28, your body is decomposing faster than it's you know regenerating and you know and that's like great you still have a body you still are breathing you're still active in 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 your life you know i don't know i I feel like this is where i end up becoming like softer and softer as i get older too because i just think i've had so many friends um not make it to this age and and that is like that's woven into um, you know, that decolonizing of my brain too, that, that I was talking about. It's like, yeah, I'm still alive and I'm healthy and I'm, you know, relatively happy. And, um, that's not always been the case for me and it won't always be the case, but 
I just feel this tremendous uh, gratitude with the present tense. And I think that that's been the gift of, of quarantine is we don't get to really um, have anything except our small sort of hamster experience. And it's like a lot of wrestling with making peace with the present tense. And that includes, and especially includes, like if you're trapped in your small home, if you have a small home and you're kind of trapped in your small home of your body, like how do you make peace with it on a daily basis? Mm. Rocco, do you think people should go home to visit their family members Uh, for this genocide holiday? Absolutely not. I realized I was railing about this to a friend and then her sister's planning on flying from Ohio. (laughs) And I was like, oopsies, but kind of not oopsies. Like, what are you doing? Why would one, I don't give a shit. You know how I feel about Thanksgiving. I'll have it if you need me to have it. Thanks. Thank you. Which I do. I mean, I just, sometimes I just need a place to go. So I do need you to have it. Yeah. So sometimes I'll do it for you, but in general, I don't care about this holiday. I don't actually care about holidays um, more broadly because most of them are either like uh, God focused or um, a celebration of some genocide. Yeah. (laughs) So, so for the most part, I like Halloween. I like new years and I like people's birthdays as a holiday, but more generally, I don't, I don't really care about holidays. So I think that it's not worth it. Why would you go? Why would you travel right now? Why do you, you really can't wait? I don't know. Also, it's like, you want to, I just, uh, it's either, you know, I mean, I feel like every other year on the podcast, we talk about like giving people permission to not see their family or Mm -hmm. if they have to see their family, helping them with tools to white knuckle through it. And so the idea that people would either a, like blast through a pandemic, like uh-huh. virus shutdown of the nation to see their family because they love them so much, but also you might be killing them yeah. by seeing them. Like, I just don't know. Like, why would you put yourself at risk and also be like a germ vessel to kill grandma? It's, yeah. it's just beyond me. Like, I feel like what a gift that that kind of stress is off the table and then also um like we just have a different kind of stress yeah and yeah i mean it's been very hard for me over and over and over again throughout throughout quarantine to um not to not be in judgment of people in my family about the way that they're conducting themselves with their quarantine their corona kosher Mm -hmm. is different than mine so the idea of actually being in their germ-laden house (laughs) <laughs> um, Bart coughing germs onto them. Like, no, thank you. Oh uh, yeah. But um, I I want to I want to know if there's anything you've been eating lately that you're excited about. I want you to know that we just made tempeh rubens here. Yeah. I used to like tempeh rubens from the by and by. I've never gotten one I've enjoyed in Los oh. Angeles, so don't even don't even try it. Well, maybe you could try really? it. Really? Wait, really? No. Oh God, I got one at Cafe Floor. Oh, you didn't like it? Oh my god, no! Um, what about uh, locali? I don't know. I don't ever gotten one from there. Oh man, those are delicious. Well, they're so easy to make at home. You yeah. know, you just you're you're saturating your tempeh with you know some kind of soy sauce, liquid smoke, vinegar mixture with garlic powder, onion powder, whatever. You're frying that. You have I have some delicious rye bread. Rocco, you would love this. It's bread whose entire packaging is about it making you regular. It's called Portland regular bread and it's like literally has like a stick man running to the toilet. No way. <laughs> it gives you the what it's like made out of like selenium or some shit. Like what yeah. is just like a laxative in a bread form? I think everything I eat now is it's like has a toilet involved in the like prunes it's like the the logo i just i've graduated actually from a package of prunes to a bucket of prunes we just got it from instacart by mistake but i'm into it oh shit just a straight up bucket <laughs> it says it feels so good to feel good or something but that and then whatever oh, kind of sauerkraut you like and then the russian dressing Kaya made, you just have to have vegan mayonnaise on hand, which I've never had until recently, but you just have that. And I don't know what she put in it. It was orange, Um, but it was so delicious and hearty. That's what I got to say. Cool. Yeah. What have you been enjoying? Oh man. What's a regular, oh, I've been eating a lot of like 
um, breakfast quesadillas. So I will like, um, I'll saute some of the kale from my garden, uh, beyond sausage, um, and tofu, like tofu egg and put it in a tortilla. So mm. really, um, I'm also obsessed with the junk food I'm obsessed with right now is, um, just the LA classic. So, uh, vegan hooligans, if you're in LA, fuck. And you want to support like small local business. Sorry, my cat's screaming. Um, vegan hooligans is so good. I, I get the Western burger from them, which is like beyond meat. Um, a lot of mayonnaise, which I didn't used to like a soft kind of potato bun with onion rings. And, um, it's a brand called like Beeman's, I think, which is, they don't sell in supermarkets, but they do sell at a couple restaurants, um, bacon and, uh, barbecue sauce. So fucking delicious. And they make a vegan crunch wrap too. Mm. It's like Taco Bell, but, but you know, vegan. I have been fed very well lately, but when left to my own devices, I will just, the thing about quarantine is I will just gravitate toward what I was calling human dog food, which is basically (laughs) just like a tofu scramble, but not, I mean, the tofu is just cubed and then with whatever vegetables. And then I just put some kind of vegan cheese on top or whatever sauce and just call it a day. Yeah. I just need, I'm just like, I need protein and I need vegetables and then I'll yeah, just throw literally anything on top of it. Yeah. Like I haven't, I, and I, I'm really obsessed with the smoothie I've been making lately, which is just like a banana, some berries, uh, frozen spinach, um, spirulina, uh, uh, chlorella, um, which has a mint flavor, Ooh. Um, chocolate protein powder. So it's like an Ori, like a chocolate, a thin mint kind of shake with, uh, cacao nibs in it so good so many micronutrients <laughs> i really like that i like that a lot today's episode is brought to you by laura perry emily helmus rachel cotton shoshana ruth wechter christy harrod mary pinson michelle lemoyne and joey soloway if you would like to support sagittarian matters especially and in particular producer chris sutton Please send $5, $25, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Or this just in, he's got a Venmo. It is hell books at Venmo. H-E double hockey sticks books. Thank you for your support. And we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's just my dog's speaking voice. My lockdown was like this. I kept a journal every single day. I write at least one page every day. The beginning of the lockdown, I was fucking loving it. We got severely quarantined because of her autoimmune stuff. So I did all these things that I had planned to do that I had never, uh, like that I planned to do year after year. Um, that I never did. So I started a garden. I learned how to do like, uh, to be a vegetable gardener. Um, I used power tools to make the raised garden box, all things I've never done. Mm-hmm. I was roping every day. I was like really meticulous about my entire self-care regime. I was coming off the tail end of like leaving my job and uh, there was a lawsuit involved and it was favorable. So I had like a chunk of money that I didn't need to worry about getting another job. I was on unemployment. Um, so I had like a reliable source of income. I wrote uh, and curated a book about a workbook for men and masculine folks called the Mindful Masculinity Workbook, which I have a few copies left of, but then it's pretty much out of print. Mm. Uh, started doing cohorts for online cohorts to go through the book with folks um, and then started offering canceled camp and then started offering all of the workshops that were scheduled for camp online. And then just like really created this beautiful virtual community for, um, for all masculine folks, but uh, then exclusively for trans men and trans mask folks. Um, And that's still going. 
Um, right around May, I saw this job uh, go online that was like VP of marketing for a digital healthcare company that was a, a zero stage startup that uh, just like it was literally, I read the description and in part I got the description because um, in the early part of the pandemic, doing all of this programming um, and building this community, it became really strong. Like I, I have more than 200 people that um, are signed up and show up for a monthly um, a monthly online uh, men's trans men's group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that still is like active, very active every other week. Um, and then... From that, people started just sending me things to send out to my mailing list because I became like a beta kind of Craigslist for trans men. Um, And someone sent me this job listing and I was like, holy shit, this is me. Then I apply for the job, I get the job, and all of my self-care has gone out of out of. 2020 like there there is just no self-care also my relationship to the panda we don't go out we don't hang out with people i've hung out with people a total of maybe six times um and by that i mean like my like my birthday was in october and trisha's uh um had a little pool party for me that was like very strict rules like no one could go um, in the house that we had rented, um, and everyone had to stay six feet apart and keep their masks on and blah, blah, blah. So we get our groceries delivered. Um, we stopped bleaching them maybe like two months ago, um, but still sometimes want to bleach them. Mm -hmm. Uh, really, uh, really afraid now of being around people. Um, I, I actually went for a walk with a friend today and uh, had to go to the bathroom and used her bathroom. And now I'm just like in a full panic of like, probably should get tested. Mm. So yeah, my relationship to it is intense and, you know, camp we postponed, we didn't cancel. We postponed it to next May. And I think about that on a daily basis of when, we might have to push that back to 2022. Everyone is so having such a different experience. For me now, like I have a full gym in my backyard. Um, my garden is neglected. I no longer like uh, pay as rigid attention to anything. Um, I have kept up with like a daily journal practice, but I don't meditate every day anymore. I don't work out with any kind of uh, like routine that I used to have. Um, I have let go of caring about things that felt like I also did a ton of like, um, anti, uh, anti-racist training, um, earlier this year, and then have just been engaged in like trying to decolonize my mind in a lot of ways. And those ways that it's popping up the most are that like, I don't care in the same way of like uh, what my body looks like as much as I care what it feels like. And that goes for like how I eat. And I have to say like, I've had a long history of um, disordered eating and a very dysmorphic relationship to my body in addition to a dysphoric relationship. And this year has like, it's, I wouldn't say it's healed it, but it's been the most remarkable shift that I've ever had. So I'm not like as, um, rigorous. Sorry, the cat is screaming at me. Mm-hmm. He's like, "That's not true. You're lying. You still hate your body." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not as like rigorous or intense with my body, and I and I relate to movement in a different way. Where I used to have this routinized kind of experience of like, get up, go to the gym, and now I still up, get up and go to the yard to work out. But mm-hmm. the workouts are like not as. Um, rigid or intense or pushing my body. So a lot of my injuries have had a chance to heal. I've done way more yoga this year than I've ever done in my life. Um, I'm like more invested in intuitive eating and intuitive movement in a way that like, I just, oh my God, I have, I actually have healed my uh, insomnia. So now I go to bed at like 8.30 and get up at 6 a.m. And I feel fucking great doing it. Um, that shifted with the winter hours, but uh, I get enough sleep and I feel great. And I sleep through the night and I don't know, like in the beginning of quarantine, my dreams were super vivid and I had a really hard time sleeping. Um, yeah, it's been a fucking wild year well, of like a of like deep investment in changing my relationship to myself as we change our relationship to all of these um, systems that we were reliant on. And the disruption of normal 
quote unquote normal living has been <clears throat> really incredible. Hi, Sagittarian Matters. This is Beth Pickens, frequent contributor and friend of the pod. I have my own podcast out now wherever you find podcasts called Mind Your Practice. And season one is out now. It's a series of short episodes, five to 10 minutes, that's meant for artists and creatives who are struggling in all the ways that artists do, particularly in year 2020. So go find it today. I also have the Mind Your Practice Homework Club. And the Homework Club is just what it sounds like. You get monthly homework, a monthly webinar with me, access to a private Instagram for club members, and bonus audio content. It's $12 a month. Price goes up January 2021, so join now. And you can find out more or sign up at mindyourpractice.com. Rocco, can you form a a line between the sort of decolonization training and like how you've been decolonizing your mind and how that how that has gotten reflected onto your body and your relationship with your body? Oh, 100%. Um, at the more I like d- do actual work um, to decolonize my mind or uh, to decolonize my life, um, the more I realize that like this is a tool of, uh, you know, it was at the, at the beginning of the year was focused on um, dismantling the patriarchy in my mind and then um, and then learning and uh and finding more ways to understand how white supremacy has this this uh, grasp on all of us, um, even and especially, you know, um, as a white man, I think that it was important for me to kind of think deeply and critically and kind of start to unplug that. But it's really interesting because, you know, um, I think that the way in which it relates to my body is this rigid idea of, and, and it's hard for me to, um, extrapolate uh, white supremacy from the patriarchy and vice versa. Like it all feels like one very harmful system. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in that, I think, you know, uh, I have a body as a trans person, I have a body that is um, consistently uh, weaponized and not valued uh, in the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that I've had a lot of ideas about how to build my value and my relationship to my body has been really um, challenging as a person who's public and has used their body in a way to um, to get uh, like buy-in or uh, to be seen as valuable um, because I am able-bodied, I am cis-passing, um, I have been see- seen and uh, praised as like attractive in, in some normal constraints um, and all of that has been really harmful to my sense of self. And this year has been really focused on well, what do I actually care about? How do I want to be in my body? And, you know, I, I had a lot of rigid practices that were all about um, keeping my body uh, like consumable in for lack of a better way of putting it mm-hmm. uh, under the like under this like white supremacist patriarchal society's ideals of what makes a man's body um attractive or valuable and now i don't give a shit so i eat what i want to eat if if i want to have a day where i'm only eating dessert i do that but i also you know love to eat vegetables so um yeah i eat for for feeling good and when i feel bad I acknowledge that I feel bad and that food is a source of comfort for me. And then I indulge in that instead of like um, playing these weird kind of ED games that I have been playing for most of my life um, with my like relationship to eating of like, Oh, if I do this, then I'm going to have to, you know, counterbalance it by uh, jumping rope for an hour and a half. And I don't compare myself to anything anymore, even um, because I, I know that the tool of like comparing yourself to someone else's body is, is harmful, but I also have been conscious of not comparing myself to, to people and have freed myself from that, um, when I got sober in 2006, but I mean, obviously I do it sometimes, but really a lot less since then, cause I've been so conscious of it, but I didn't realize how harmful it was for me to compare myself to my own rigid ideals of what I'm supposed to be. And also the times that I've been closer to those rigid ideals um, and use them as a source of self abuse. So I really don't do it anymore. Can I ask, Uh, is there something that's, that's filled that spot of how you see yourself as valuable? 
Yes. Um, I think of, I, I, I think like, what I want to say too is like in, since May I've gained 15 pounds and me last year, I would have been like, what the fuck? And like Mm -hmm. freaking the fuck out. And, you know, obviously we can put a trigger warning in front of all of this since Mm -hmm. I'm talking about eating disorders and, and that's real for people. But, um, but I, I, that for me, that's a triumph that I've like gained 15 pounds and I don't care and it's not something that is uh, that I'm preoccupied with or obsessing over. And I've seen myself release myself from monitoring what other people eat too, because that's how my e- ED um, is. That I just am like constantly conscious of. Not only am I an addict, I'm also uh, you know uh, an Al-Anon. So I do both. Where I'm like obsessed with my own eating habits, and then I'm also obsessed with the eating habits of everyone around me, which is really challenging. And so, what's replaced my system of value is like, how much do I show up for my community? How gentle am I with myself and with other people? How um, how often do I see when I've been unskilled or less skilled than I would have liked to have been and own that immediately and humbly, how, um, how quickly am I able to disengage with my ego and meet someone with vulnerability? Um, and all this is like a result of doing these men's groups with other really tender and sweet and vulnerable, um, and gracious trans men that show up week after week. But I don't know. I even got trolled the other day. Like um, Joey Soloway sweetly posted about me on trans. Oh, I also have disconnected from social media. So I haven't posted anything or really engaged in any real way mm-hmm. with social media since um, July. Cool. Yeah. So that's been really great too. Cause I am disconnected from that feed of all the things that it does to a person. Um, So I don't, so my sense of self is gathered completely from myself, um, which is awesome. It feels great. I love that. Well, so wait, so how did you respond when you got trolled the other day? Oh, someone said something that wasn't true. Like they had commented that I did something. So the majority of the things that people said on, on Joey Soloway's thread were like really nice comments of like, wow, seems so great, blah, 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 but but they had posted something about like how I um, am instead of like throwing men in the trash, I have like dedicated myself to kind of like centering trans men in the idea that we can like um, model a different way of relating to masculinity and, and allowing trans men a space to be a part of the conversation of how to start loving men and how to have men um, kind of explore their relationship to masculinity, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But so then the troll said something about how, oh, that guy um, cursed me out once for uh, a glitch that happened on his website. And it was a technical issue that I couldn't fix and blah, blah, blah. And I just was like, what in the fuck? I've never, literally never had anyone managing my website. So who the hell is this person? Like, what is this? And, um, and instead of like getting defensive or allowing it to undo me, I just, uh, replied authentically by saying like, I don't recall the incident that you're talking about, but if I owe you an amends, DM me and, and let's talk about what happened. Cause I definitely, um, you know, am, am not a perfect person and I have had moments of being unskilled. So if what you're talking about was real, then let's talk about it. Um, you know, trolls gonna troll. They didn't write back, but it didn't undo me. Whereas in the past, like trolling has really undone me because my sense of self was wrapped up in others mm-hmm. for the shortest way of putting it. So I have no relationship to gaining my value as a person from um, external people that aren't in my intimate circle. And it's a fucking relief. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's um, a huge relief. I feel, and then you actually get an accurate reflection back of like who you are and how far yeah. you've come. Yeah, totally. Instead of strangers who are like, I kind of think I know you because I know three things about you or two things about you. And here's what I yeah. think you should be doing or not doing based on me. And 
It's just, it's untenable. It's like what it's like uh, cunning and baffling. It's untenable to live up to like either society or the patriarchy or white supremacist culture, or just even like the greater queer community at large who you don't even know to live up to their standards. Totally. It's, and it's, their standards are like rooted in um, the a position of being a victim of systems that have deprioritized or dehumanized them. And so if they see someone um, getting something that they wish they had themselves, it's dismantling their like core sense that none of us should get anything. Um, you know, lobsters in a barrel. And then we just pick at each other and, and cannibalize each other constantly. And it's really, really exhausting and overwhelming because all you want is to be friends with the people that you should be friends with. And that just doesn't seem we we're just you, all of these, these systems and tools have been put in place to devalue us, but to also um, pit us against each other. Hi listeners. It's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Ponyo in particular, our comics and animal illustrations, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. And for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian. And for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyo's Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. I know you only have a few left, but for listeners who never got to hear about the Mindful Masculinity Workbook, Mm -hmm. because we went into lockdown right as it was coming out. I remember you and I went to coffee and had a work date at La Mill oh, right yeah. before lockdown. And it was right as the workbook was at the printers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it came out. Oh, God. I want to say like end of March I started selling it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There are some available. I have like 100 copies left. And then I think AK Press has a bunch too, maybe. Maybe they have like a hundred left too. And then maybe I'll release it as a PDF. So stay tuned. You can go to get it on the intentionalmanproject.com. And uh, I also offer a massive discount. I just sell it at cost for uh, BIPOC folks who are interested in in purchasing. Um, I don't think AK Press does, but they do offer international shipping, which I don't. Um, Well, so so what inspired you to make this? Because I know you've had such a journey being like, you know, we've talked before about how you really got into being a man hater a long mm-hmm. time ago when you were younger. And then at a certain point, you were like, I have to heal my relationship with men as a man. Yeah, yeah. I think camp was the uh, first push for for that healing. Um, and camp really allowed me to understand that, um, that if I loved all these trans guys and had such a transformative kind of experience of being with them in this like brotherhood, um, then potentially that could expand into, into realms of other and and seeing them as men and not seeing them as like men, uh, with a caveat or men, um, that were like special or like, you know, I saw them uniformly and, and flatly as men. Um, with a specific set of circumstances around their path to maleness or masculinity, but equal to men. So I think that um, that then uh, got me interested in being a part of other men's groups and being in spaces that I wasn't disclosing my transness and that I was uh, prioritizing my maleness. And I joined a bunch of men's groups. And then I realized that, um, you know, what is... Uh, special about trans men is that um, if they're uh, if they're interested in doing the work, they're afforded um, a lens uh, that is a bit more expansive than men who were socialized as men who were assigned men at birth, who were or assigned. It's so weird to say assigned male at birth because it's like it feels adult, um, <laughs> but, you know. Like, um, I was assigned adult at birth. God, so was I, Nicole. <laughs> Were you really though? Was like, was the, what was it? What is it called? It's like called like a birth. 
Wasn't it called like a, a was it called a parentalized child? There's some word that's basically like a child that's made to be a parent at a young age, but I can't remember. Did you read that book, Drama of the Gifted Child? No. Oh, it's all about that. You would love it so much. You would get a lot out of it. Mm. Um, but anyway, all that said, I just realized that I didn't. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to carry hate in my heart anymore. The older I get, the softer I get, and the more I'm just like, I don't want to hate. I don't want to have conflict. I can't bear it anymore. I just don't have. I don't have the the patience or. Um, uh, on some cellular somatic level, I am so exhausted by conflict that I just can't do it anymore on any level. So I, I was like, well, th- what can I do? Because there's so many books that do a great job of discoursing or diagnosing problematic or toxic masculinity. And I didn't want to be involved in the diagnosis of something um, because it feels somewhat helpless. Um, and and also like a diagnosis is problematic. It's like people are whole people. You can't diagnose someone as uh, like a piece of shit. Um, mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It, it it like precludes more of a deep um, kind of uh, like deeper inspection and more compassion. And I think like that softness made me want to help other uh, other masculine identified folks to. Um, to inspect their own masculinity and kind of like unplug from patriarchal roles and expectations. And I think I see that like on a deeper and deeper level, like this men's group that I have on Saturdays is fairly small, the regular one. I have like a big one that meets once a month and then I have like a consistent one that meets every other week with about anywhere between like eight to 16 guys show up. And that core group is like, yesterday we talked about grief and our relationship to how we grieve and how much space we allow ourselves to um, to take up with grief uh, as it related to our masculinity and to our like, like undoing of like how much emotionality we can express in our, in our daily lives. And it was just this like fucking tender group of like, Oh God, it's so sweet. Like one guy talked about how he was grieving the loss of his wife was pregnant and uh, like two months pregnant and she had a miscarriage and then he was grieving that loss and then other people shared about, and that he, he was like, you know, that he felt like, um, like he failed at grieving properly because he ended up like drinking too much one night. And then, um, and and, you know, other guys supported him by saying, like, you're not, like, in less than one week, you're coming and, and bringing this up as a topic and talking in depth about your grief. So there's no failure there. And then um, another guy, like, sweetly lit a candle and said, I'm so sorry that you lost lost your child. And it was just, like, this sweet shit that I'm just, like... And then everyone's, like, crying, and it's just this, like, beautiful connection and uh, uh like soft tender men and i think like doing the workbook cohorts was really exceptional because it wasn't just trans men it was like trans masculine people there was like a, a person who is like lesbian identified but like soft ish butch um and then there were a bunch of like cis men of color who were straight cis men of color and like gay cis men and gay trans men and straight trans men and all of these like just this huge spectrum of attendees and we're all just talking about this really gnarly shit and being so vulnerable and tender with each other um i and what's interesting too is like i used to like three years ago three or four years ago i didn't have but like maybe one or two male friends and now almost all of my close men all of my close friends are men of color and like yeah and trans men and and cis men and i just have this huge community of men around me now but they're all these men who are engaged in this work of like being tender and soft and and modeling that in the larger world you have gifted us with so much experience strength and hope today on the podcast uh, is there anything else that you want to say? Any last advice for listeners as we dive into the holiday season with coronavirus on the he- on on the horizon? Mm. Mm. Um, you know, I think like do like 
be safe and do what makes you happy and try and find as much incremental joy as possible. I read the pleasure activist book early into in the quarantine and it left and then some of the teaching came back. And I think that one thing um, that stuck with me is this, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's that uh, the, our universe is made up of small um, incremental moments of joy. So if you're feeling depressed or anxious or overwhelmed, just try to like, bring some sort of small moment of joy into each day, whether that's like a dance party in your house or like, I don't know, like talking to a friend or having a Zoom hangout. Um, just try to bring joy into your life every day. Um, and then stay focused on as the world falls apart around us, that it's always been falling apart around us and we're, um, we're capable of experiencing both trauma and joy at the same time. I love that is a great way to sign off. Happy holidays. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Thank you, Rocco. Oh, thanks for having me on. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. And I was uh, getting a professional training and I didn't remember to mute myself after myself to ask a question. And I proceeded to uh, really get in and sniff my cat's breath, which is a thing that cat lovers like to do. So I was like really taking a whiff, like, (sighs) is what it sounded like. <laughs> Which, for those of you listening, um, is me with it, like really sniffing my cat's breath and giving him so many kisses and then really appreciating it. So, once again, <sighs> and then I realized I was unmuted. This was your version of the Jeffrey Tubin nightmare? Uh, yes. Just fucking really enjoying my cat's breath. So did yeah. some did somebody say Rocco, Rocco? We no, can all I, hear you. I realized, and then I slacked all of my coworkers. Oh, sorry, guys, I was really like deep into kissing my cat and didn't realize I was unmuted. <laughs> <laughs>